0: Good morning. It is a joy to be able to open God's Word with you today. So if you have a Bible, will you turn with me to Psalm 119. And we've got some Bibles placed throughout the chairs here. If you grab one of those, it's on page 512. So Psalm 119. hundred and nineteen. You'd Actually, if you took the Bible and, and opened it to the middle, you would be pretty close to, to Psalm 119 here. Um, so pretty close to the, to the To the middle of the Bible And I'm going to be sharing with you a message about God's plan for holiness The Spirit And the Word coming alongside And so as you'll see We are going to be in Psalm 119 And we're also going to parallel a text in Romans 8 um, But everything you need to know From Romans 8 I'm going to put up on the screen here So we're not kind of flipping back and forth here To give you a heads up I want you to f- reflect with me About every source of input into your mind over the past week. Just think about all the sources. You wake up in the morning, you may have a crying baby that is a source. You may have a kid. I'm a grumbling kid, a happy kid. These could be good or bad sources, these could be active or even passive. I mean, there are a lot of things that come through our minds. That we're not actively pursuing. For instance, you overhear a conversation around the coffee machine at work. That's not something that you may have heard things that you did not want to hear, but you were passive recipients of that. Think about all of these sources. TV's one of them, right? Anybody watch Shark Week this past week? Anybody? Shark Week, Week, The Return of Jaws. You saw them highlighting Cape Cod and all the great whites that they've been tagging out here. Um, America's got talent. Team illuminate anybody. You know, you've got all of these these hey, oh I got a got somebody back there. All these sources of in, input. So you ride the T. You're standing at the T. You've got T ads that are jumping out at you all over the place begging for your attention, for your allegiance. You you're on the T and you hear conversations or the iPod next to you that's too loud, the guy that needs to turn it down. Um, or maybe you're picking up the Metro, and you're flipping through the Metro, and you're catching up on the 24 pages there of all the news that's happened in the past day. Tons of sources. We haven't even got to the, to the Internet yet. I mean, Facebook, Facebook, email, um, CNN following the financial crisis, the stocks, worst day since 2000, worst week since 2008. I could continue on and on here. Your mind never stops. And inputs are vying, different sources are vying for allegiance of your mind from when you wake up to when you go to bed at night. Does it matter what consumes your thoughts? What about this? Does it matter how much time you spend thinking about the things of God revealed in His Word? Does it matter? Does it matter in life? Or is this just a matter of personal preference? Now as we look at Psalm 119 today, we are going to see that there ought to be one supreme allegiance that controls our mind and our thoughts night and day. Now Psalm 119 is an, is an interesting psalm. It's one of the longest, it is the longest psalm in the Bible and it's the longest chapter in the Bible. Aren't you glad I'm not preaching the whole chapter today? Who's laughing? Well, come on. Um, but it's, it's structured. It has a very tight structure to it. There are 22 stanzas and it's structured around the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. So you start with Aleph in verse 1 and you've got eight verses, and then you go to bait in verse 9, and you've got eight verses, and it continues on, and here's how this works. So in verses 1 through 8, the, the first word in every verse has that letter, Aleph. If, you were, if I were to bring a Hebrew Bible for you, I could just go right down the list and show you this Hebrew letter, the, all these verses, 1 through 8, have the same first letter. And then it switches to bait in 9 through 16, and it continues on. And so it's a very tightly structured psalm. But this also means that it doesn't necessarily have a logical flow to its thought process here. Now, that doesn't mean that it's without purpose. So as we read Psalm 119, we're going to see pretty clear here the purpose. Now, I want you to notice In these first 16 verses, is all of the words that are used to highlight the role the Word of God should play in our life. So, Psalm 119, beginning in verse 1. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? I will not forget your word. Almost in every verse here, we have a reference to the word of God. I mean, just to to highlight a few of those in Psalm 119, verse 2. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies. In verse 4, your precepts. In verse 5, your statutes. In verse 6, your commandments. In verse 7, your righteous rules. And we can continue on. These are all different words that the psalmist is using here to highlight the Word of God. Now, it's probably becoming pretty clear to you that one of the main purposes, the main purpose of Psalm 119, is to elevate and highlight the role the Word of God should play in the life of a follower of God. But I want to just kind of step back for a second. We've got on the screen here, Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2. Just kind of set the stage here. The very first Psalm in the Psalter here says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor seats in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Two themes I just want to Highlight here, blessing. Blessing comes to a person through delight in the Word of God. Psalm 19 seems to be taking the very beginning of the Psalter and fleshing this out. What does it look like to receive blessing through meditating on the Scripture's Day and night. And so we have a we have Psalm 119, 176 verses that are basically dedicated dedicated to devote, meditate, invest yourself in the Word of God. So the central truth that I want to highlight today that is just going to guide what we're going to look at is this. You will be satisfied in life when you strive and pray to have your whole life shaped by the Word of God. You will be satisfied in life when you strive and pray to have your whole life shaped by the Word of God. Did you hear some of the, the praises and prayers that came out of the psalm here? See, this isn't just teaching. This is the psalmist praying, God, help me to fix my eyes. It's not just, it, it's worship. It's overflowing in praise and in prayer to God to highlight His Word. And so a lot of that, as we come back to Psalm 119, here's how we're going to break down our kind of two truths today. The first one is this. We're going to address this issue, and here's the truth. Seek holiness to be blessed. Seek holiness to be blessed. That's the first truth we're going to pursue here, is that holiness is really the pathway to blessing. If that's the case, later on we're going to look at this truth. Well, then if, if I need to be holy to be satisfied, how do I pursue holiness? And we're going to look at this latter part of the psalm and how the role of God plays in that. So just reflect with me. Psalm 119, verse 1. Blessed are those whose way is blameless. Does anybody want to receive blessing to be blessed? Really, the heart of this is satisfaction, delight, joy in life. This is where joy in life is found. It is found in whose way is blameless. Do you believe this? Do you truly believe that holiness is the pathway to blessing? Do you believe that? Because you see, for some of you today... The problem isn't that you don't know the ways of the Lord. That's not your problem. The problem for some of you is that you know them, you know what's right, you know what's wrong, but you don't see the benefit and the reason for doing it. I mean, it's, it's like a lot of teenagers growing up. You've got a bunch of rules, right? Mom and dad say, don't do this or do this. And it's like, what, why? The question is why? And life feels like just a bunch of rules and do's and don'ts. And I want to just step back for a second and say, okay, why? Why be holy? Why why don't do this? And why should you do this? Why should you dress a certain way? And why should you not wear certain things? Why should you say certain things and not say other things? Why should you eat and drink a certain way? And why does it even matter? One of Satan's greatest lies to get you to believe is this. Holiness equals unhappiness. That's one of his greatest lies that he wants you to buy into. He wants you to believe that if you seek God with your whole heart, you will be miserable in life. You will have no joy. You will have no satisfaction. You will be the most unhappy person who's ever lived. So what do you think? Is holiness the pathway to blessing? I'm going to highlight some scriptures here that I want us to reflect together with. And basically, we're going to go on a journey through the Psalms and and basically asking this. Why pursue holiness? And what might be the benefit of it? Psalm 1611 says this. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Have you ever conceived of God in this way? That God is not just a drill master telling you to do certain things and not do other things, but in fact, the path of life, what He's telling you, is actually the path that is going to give you fullness of joy. Does anybody want fullness of joy? Does anybody want pleasures forevermore? Because this is what Satan and this is what the world is going to say. If you want pleasures, well then do this. And God is basically saying, you want pleasures? Listen and obey. Holiness is the pathway to blessing. Let's continue on. Psalm 34, verses 8-10. through 10. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in the Lord. Oh, fear the Lord, you as saints, for those who fear Him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Do you believe this? Do you believe to seek because this is what Psalm 119.1 says and 1 and 2. Those who seek the Lord with their whole heart will be blessed. Do you truly believe that if you seek the Lord, you will lack nothing good? You see, I believe a lot of our holiness is contingent not on just knowing right and wrong. It's on wrong views of the character of God. Get this today. God wants you to have fullness of joy and be blessed. We see it all throughout the scriptures. Let's continue on. Look at this. Psalm 36, 7 and 9. How precious is your steadfast love, O God! The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. We have imagery here that is reflecting obedience to the commands of God is like sitting down in the house of God and feasting on everything that He has provided. Or what about this? What about going and taking a drink from the river of God's delights? the very God who made everything, do you think God can have a pretty delightful and satisfying river to drink from? This is, this is all imagery here for He is the fountain of life. If you want to experience life, you want joy, you want satisfaction, this is what He's offering. Listen and obey. Psalm 37:4. Delight yourself in the Lord. And He will give you the desires of your heart. Again, delight. There's joy. There's pursuit. Now we're going to turn to Psalm 119, just reflecting on some of these. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much in all riches. The world's going to say, riches, money, and the stock market this past week crashing, and people are losing joy left and right. And we've got a treasure of riches here that will never let you down. Psalm 119.16, I will delight in your statutes. He continues on. Psalm 119.24, your testimonies are my delight. Psalm 119.47 says this, For I find delight in your commandments which I love. 72, the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. And then 103, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Why should you seek holiness? Because holiness is the pathway to blessing. If you don't get this, the commandments of God mean nothing to you. The commandments of God will be a burden to you. They, you will lack joy. Because what makes the commandments of the God, of God a delight to me is knowing that the one who gives the commandments is pursuing my greatest joy. It's, it's like a mother and a father. As you guys know, I have three kids. And And my kids will find delight in my rules when they understand the character, the love that their their father has for them. And So it's important not just that my kids know what to do, but it's important that they know that I love them, that I care about them, and that I want them to be satisfied in life. Do you have wrong views of the character of God? that need to be changed today? Man, are some of these verses right now, some verses that you just need to cling to, write on your mirror, put on a note card and say, God, help me, I pray, to believe these this week. So that's the first truth I want to share with you from Psalm 119. The pathway to blessing is holiness. Now I've got some bad news. Truth number two is this. Apart from Christ you won't delight in God's will. Apart from Christ, you will not delight in God's will. I've I've now taken us to Romans here. Romans 8. I want you to reflect here with me as Paul's writing. He says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. The pathway to blessing is what? Holiness. The bad news is none of us are holy. None of us are holy. I want you to reflect here with me. I'm going to go to the Garden of Eden. And I'm going to use Eve as an illustration to prove this point here. Adam and Eve were given one law, one command. What was it? Do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. One commandment. Do not eat of the tree or you will die. Now we go to Genesis 3, and Eve has a, has a conversation with the serpent. And she's tempted by Satan. And Satan starts off the conversation by saying this, Did God actually say, and he he continues on, that you should not eat of every tree? And they're having this conversation. And Eve responds, and and here's what Eve says. Eve says that... um, Eve says, no, God said that we, we could eat of the trees, but we could not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then Satan responds back, and he says this, you will not surely die. Now what has just happened here? I want you to just understand, because this is going to help you greatly in your temptation with sin. You have two competing truth claims. What does God say? You eat of it, you will Die, Satan says, eat it and you will not die. So the question is who was right? And this is the battle that's going on in Eve's mind. And and if you even reflect over your temptation with sin, do any of you have battles and conversations in your mind like this? I guarantee you do. You have battles all the time where you know God says what's right, and then you have another truth claim, whether it's your flesh, whether it's a peer pressure, a neighbor, whether it's TV, Internet, whatever, the world, that is a competing truth claim, and you're going back and forth. They say do it, God says don't do it. Now, what determines which one of these... What determines which way you go? It's whichever one you choose to believe, right? It's it's an issue of faith. Do you believe that if you eat of the tree, you will die or not die? It's it's what you believe determines which route you go. Now, here I'm just going to quote one verse from what Eve says. In determining her outcome she says this so so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desired to make one wise she took and ate." now what did eve do she saw that it was good for food it was a delight do you see satisfaction Delight here. Eve wanted to be satisfied, right? She thought in eating the tree that it would actually be good for her. That she would find much joy and satisfaction. And then the third thing is that she thought that this would be what would make her wise. Which I would just want to respond with you in a few ways. The first one is this. How do we know what will truly satisfy us? How do you know what will truly satisfy you? There are a ton of opinions out there, right? Just go read the newspaper. Open There are a ton of, basically everything is saying, this will satisfy you. This will give you joy. How do you determine what will satisfy you? Which I'll just follow up with the second question. How does someone gain wisdom? Because she ate of it thinking that it was going to make her wise. So how do you know what will satisfy you, and how do you become wise in life? You see where I'm going with this, right? This is why we need the Word. This is why we need the Word. The Word is going to give us a sure foundation. Because we know who wrote the Word. We know the character of God who wrote the Word, God who cannot lie, God who knows everything, a God who knows what will satisfy you and won't satisfy you. But coming back to this, because of what Eve did, the reality is as many of us, all of us make the same decision. We reject God's Word because we want to be wise in our own eyes. And in rejecting the Word of God, you know what we do? We basically become our own God's. So it doesn't say this in the text, but what did did Eve call God? A liar. The text doesn't say that, but isn't that what she's basically done? In eating of the tree, she has said, God, you don't know what you're talking about. This will satisfy me. This will be a delight. And what happens? What God said came true. And we, we follow here in Genesis 3 a series of curses on the serpent, on the woman, and on the man. And eventually, at the end of Genesis 3, what are they done? They're kicked out of the garden. And the result is death. This is the path that all of us apart from Christ take. We do not delight in God's word. But I've got some good news for you. The good news is the third truth here is that Jesus frees you from the penalty and power of sin and gives you His Spirit. Reflect here with me in Romans 8. This is right before what we just read. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. What could the law not do? The law could not make you holy. You go to the law, and what does the law reveal to you? The law reveals to you that I don't want to submit to God's plan. I have a better plan, and I want to be wise in my own eyes. The law reveals that I don't love his law. The law reveals that I'm a sinner and I desire to be my own God. The law could not make us holy. It basically revealed our sin. But it says this But God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requir- requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. What has God done? God sent Jesus Christ. Who, you know who Jesus is? Jesus is the man in Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. That is Jesus. He perfectly obeyed God. He never sinned. He was holy. And because of that, he came, he died on the cross to condemn sin in the flesh in order that. Do you see these words here? In order that? That means here's the purpose. Here's why Jesus died. In order that, the righteous requirement of the law, might be fulfilled in us. you see that? He died so this requirement could be fulfilled in us. And how is that done? It's by those who walk, not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. You may be asking right now, John, why did you go to the New Testament? Why not just stick in Psalm 119? Well, here's why. Holiness is the pathway to blessing. But in order to be holy, you've got to meet Jesus Christ, who is the one who is holy and who has died to pay the penalty for your sin. Your sin needs to be cleansed. And it's through the death that he died to pay your penalty that if you would believe, you would repent, you would trust that he would give you eternal life. But check this. Jesus not only gives you eternal life. Do you know what else he gives you? This last verse, this last word here. According to the spirit. Jesus gives you his spirit. Apart from Christ, we have hearts that don't want to submit to God's laws. You read earlier, the flesh The mindset on the flesh doesn't submit to God's law. It cannot. It cannot please God. So Jesus comes, He saves us from our sins, and He changes our hearts so that we will delight in God's Word. Which is why later on in Romans 8, this is what Paul says Paul says in Romans 8 9, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. You're not in the flesh if you have the Spirit. So here's my question for you today. Do you have the Spirit? Well, how do you know if you have the Spirit? Well, do you belong to Christ? Because He says anyone who does not have the Spirit does not belong to Christ. Well, how do you belong to Christ? Well, you come to the cross confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believing that his death cleansed you of your sin and that God raised him from the dead. You believe that. You confess that. You believe that. God changes your heart and he gives you the Spirit. So the first truth, holiness is the pathway to blessing. Now through Christ, you have his Spirit, the Holy Spirit, by which you can pursue holiness. Now the the last few minutes that I want to just share with you is this. How do we pursue holiness then? So the second truth, seek holiness to be blessed. Second truth is this, delight in the Word to be holy. I'm going back to Psalm 119 now. Psalm 119, beginning in verse 9, says this, How can a young man keep his way pure? Will you guard by guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against God. Well, how, do, how does the word of God is the question now. We've, we've gotten rid of the why question Be holy now is, okay, how do I do it? The how question. Well, you do it by delighting in the Word. And first of all, we see here, the Word reveals knowledge of God's will. You cannot be holy if you don't know the will of God. If you don't know that God says, do not lust, well, then you can't not lust. Do you see that? So the Word of God reveals the will of God. So one of the reasons that we need to delight in the Word is because to be holy, we need to know what we need to do and what not to do. It reveals Knowledge of God's will. It also reveals knowledge about Jesus. So if you're here today, and, and you know, man, this Jesus guy, and you're talking about Jesus, and you want to learn more about Jesus, all of Scripture is a testimony concerning Jesus. Delight in the Word. Come to the Word and say, God, teach me, and He will teach you about his son Jesus. I mean, it's, it's what the psalmist says here in verse 12. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. When you come to the point in your life where you realize that holiness is the pathway to blessing, you come to God and you say, God, I want to be holy. And God says, delight in my word. And you say, okay, God, teach me. Is that the attitude of your heart? Is the attitude of your heart say, God, just teach me. I want to be, I want to be blessed. I want to be holy. God, teach me your word. The word of God reveals the knowledge of of God's will. We also see here the character of Scripture. I just want to highlight briefly here, the Word of God can be trusted because of the character of Scripture. The Word is trustworthy. As Tanner read early, we believe that it is infallible, that it is inerrant, and basically here's what we mean by that. God cannot lie, which means you can trust that He will never lead you astray. There is nothing in this book that will ever lead you down a path that is nothing other than blessing. You can trust it. The second thing I want to highlight is that it's sufficient. The Word is enough. This is the only must read ever. I know we talk about, oh, this is a must read, this is a must read. This is it. The Word is enough. As Tanner read earlier in 2 Timothy 3, everything to equip you for godliness is right here in the Word. Everything that God intended for you to know and have is in the Word. Delight yourself in the Word. Acquaint yourself with the Word. Get to know the Word. But as we wrap up here, I want to pose one last question. Knowledge isn't enough. Knowledge isn't enough. How many, I cancel numerous guys, struggle with lust. You know, as I've been in ministry, you know, lust is a huge one. They know the commandment, right? What does the commandment say in Matthew? Jesus says, do not look lustfully at another woman. They know that, but yet they still do it. We could use another one. I mean, we could continue on, right? It's knowing the word of God does not guarantee holiness, right? How many of you know what's right and wrong, but yet... You don't have to raise your hand. But yet struggle with, I know what's right, but I don't do it. What's going on here? I want to help you just briefly think through this process here. And I'm going to do that by jumping back to Romans 8 real quick. The Word works powerfully in conjunction with the Spirit. Romans 8.13 says this. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. The last part is what I want to focus on. By the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body. The deeds of the body are sin, disobedience. You want to be holy. So by the Spirit, you kill sin, you will live. Who does it? Who kills the sin? Does the Spirit do it or do you do it? Yes, it's both. By the Spirit, you put to death. Do you see that? You do it, but you do it in a way that is by the Spirit. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your Word. You live according to God's Word, and then the Word of God and the Spirit of God come together. And I'm going to explain that real briefly through one other verse here. Romans 8, 5. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Are you following me here? Those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. You, by the Spirit, kill sin. Which basically means, you, by setting your mind on the things of the Spirit, kill sin. What are the things of the Spirit? The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Spirit who inspired men as they wrote the words of Scripture. These are the Spirit-inspired words of God. To set your mind on the things of the Spirit is to hide God's Word in your heart that you might not sin against Him. But there's one last question we've got to ask. How does the Spirit... Use the word to kill sin in my life and produce holiness. How does the Spirit use the word in my life to kill sin and make me holy so that I will be satisfied and blessed? It's this it's when you set your mind on the things of the Spirit and you believe it. Did you hear me there? The Spirit works powerfully in conjunction with the Word when you come to it with faith. Why did Eve eat of the tree? She did not believe the Word of God. Where are you not believing God? As Psalm 119 says, hey, holiness is the pathway to blessing. And then he gives the cure, and he says, here's how you do it. You store up the Word of God in your heart. You guide your heart, guard your heart by the Word of God. It's it's not just, there's no magical formula as if reading it, you know, is going to keep you from doing it. The magical formula is reading it and believing it. Do you believe the Word when you pray? Do you believe the word when you read it? Do you believe the word like we read earlier that says delight yourself in the Lord and, and God will give you the desires of your heart? Do you believe that? And if you're reflecting in your life and you're seeing continual patterns of sin, well then what I'm going to come back to is you don't really believe the word. And you're basically calling God a liar. When you know what you ought to do and you don't do it, you're saying, God, I, am, I have a better way. I'm wiser than you are. I know a better way to satisfaction. God, you, you really you don't know what you're talking about. But you know what? If we were all to be honest and look around at each other, we're, we're flawed by sin and we're all limited in knowledge. Why not rather come to a God who knows everything and, has, and is holy and humbly say, God, if you say it, I'm going to believe it and I'm going to trust that you want to satisfy me beyond measure. God, grant me great faith. And you may be saying right now, well, God, man, I don't really, I just lack faith. Where does faith to believe these promises come from? Last verse, Romans 10, 17, says this. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. You say, man, I'm, I'm lacking faith. What do you do? Well, you go to the word. And as you read the word, it ignites faith in you to obey. The, what I've shared with you today has been one of the most transformative pieces in my pursuit of holiness that I could share with you. It is understanding that as believers, we've been given the Spirit and that the Spirit comes along with the Word when we believe it, when we meditate on it, and it will produce holiness in your life. If you're struggling with holiness, if you're struggling with a sin, Psalm 119 is the cure. Do, What's described there, does that, does that describe your attitude towards the Word? Do you meditate on it day and night? Do you guard your life by the Word? Do you say, God, teach me your Word? Do you say, I fix my eyes on the Word? I mean, just re- we could read back through that. And the imagery here is that a life that is fixed on the Word of God. Let's be a church that is founded on the Word of God. And let's be a people who saturate our lives with the Word, who when we speak... We speak the very words of God. We encourage people by the words of God. And we pray that people would have great faith in the word of God. Father, we thank you for your word today. God, many of us are finding ourselves in need of great faith where we know what's right, but we don't do it. So God, we pray, we ask that your spirit would change our desires, would your spirit, would help us to believe your word. And God, I pray you would help us to discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness, to read your word, to memorize your word, to meditate on your word. God, would your word be our life? I pray in Christ's name. Amen.